targeted violence. The Anti-Defamation League recorded 179 incidents of hate, extremism, anti-Semitism, and terrorism in 2019 and 2020. Targeted violence. Colorado has one of the country's highest rates of online extremist content searches, with isolation due to COVID-19 pandemic safety contributing to the search rates. Targeted violence. Mitigation and ending such is one of the principal goals of the Colorado Resilience Collaborative. Greetings again, Amanda Morgan. Following their participation in the January 6th riot at the Capitol in Washington, D.C., extremist groups such as the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers have been increasing their recruitment efforts. The Colorado Resilience Collaborative, comprising 20 state and national partners, works to lessen the risk to communities and individuals of targeted violence. Since the organization's inception in 2017, its executive director at the University of Denver has been Dr. Rachel Nielsen. So there is a 101 training. It's called the Community Awareness Briefing, and that is to give uh, about a two-hour overview of what targeted violence is. So it includes everything from hate crimes to domestic terrorism to targeted violence like a school shooting, which we're unfortunately familiar with here. And then there's also, and and that's really designed to give everybody the lay of the land so that uh, instead of thinking, ew, domestic terrorism or violent extremism, these are really heavy terms. But if I said to you, um, if you found out that your kid was looking at ISIS videos, how would you even bring that subject up? Or um, have you noticed that there's been more tension with students around things like white supremacy or the election, you know, that kids are having pretty difficult conversations? Um, How would you bring that together and and maintain school cohesion? Um, But uh, there's also a more advanced training that I give um, that is for teams that um, do this professionally. Mental health counselors, um, hospital staff, you know, a variety of folks. Because this is, uh, while a lot of people are good at recognizing suicidal and homicidal behavior, they're not sure what to do with somebody who's thinking about this stuff um, but it just seems kind of fuzzy. But are there warning signs that we can look for that uh, people could be trained to look for? And if the uh, person that they're interfacing with uh, meets the warning signs or crosses one of those lines and they can, uh, they can call somebody, I think there's a safe to tell number or something like that Mm -hmm. that they can, uh, they can get involved with. Yes, absolutely. So safe to tell is fantastic for, um, for kids 18 and under. Uh, I wish yeah. we had something similar that was for adults where it wasn't a call to 911, but you can still get resources, and if it is serious, that people will, will handle it. Um, essentially, that's what my hope is, that people will feel comfortable reaching out and even running things, um, running things by us like hypotheticals, um, information just so we can craft that because you're absolutely right there's no profile but there are there's a a series of behaviors that are pretty predictable and it's 
starts really? with, yeah, and and this is what I want to teach is forget age, gender, demographics. None of that is useful. Even diagnosis is not useful. What is is looking at um, these uh, phases of behavior. So it really starts with someone having a grievance, some perceived injustice. And yeah. so uh, I highlight perceived because other people may think, oh, no, that's, that shouldn't be an issue or they shouldn't be mad about that. But it starts with that grudge. And then you'll see people grappling with the, with the issue, finding who they think is to blame for their woes, um, escalating in terms of the language that they use, how, how much they talk about it, how intensely they talk about um, what is not right, you, you tend to see people connecting with um, other like-minded individuals. Yes, that might be a recruiter with a hate group, but like we were talking earlier, that could just that could be spending hours online looking for material that supports their their view. And yeah. then and then of course, you know the the last indicator would be amassing weapons identifying a target, you know, attack behavior. So how do we engage them? Uh, Most people would probably want to confront them or using confrontational speech. You know, you're wrong. You can't do this. Yes. As much as it feels like it would make sense to talk them out of their way of thinking, uh, that tends to have the opposite effect. Um, mm-hmm. And so we don't want to argue with someone or try to prove through fact what is right and what is wrong. You'll just get stuck there with the argument. And usually people will say uh, the the person who um, is slipping into that direction will say, see, you don't get it. And then you have no opportunity to to be there with them, to support them, but also to notice if they're getting worse. So it's better to sidestep the ideology and really just say, Hey, I've noticed that you're, you've been different lately or, you know, you don't, you don't seem okay. I'm just wondering what's going on. You seem angry lately. Um, and show yes, empathy for the person that's different from condoning their behavior. Um, so you, you can care about a person and say, I, uh, that sounds really hard and I understand why you're angry and still not condone the idea that violence is the answer. Um, but we really do have to bring people closer rather than push them out. But if they're really thinking about taking some action and have gone out and bought implements to do that, then that's where we have to call somebody else in and at least have them do whatever they can legally can, you know, to prevent the action from taking place. Absolutely. And so anybody who uh, is worried that somebody might actually hurt another person, I, I highly suggest that you call law enforcement um, or you um, – at a minimum, bring it up to another adult. A professional would be even better. So there are um, there are 40 different professions in Colorado where if somebody is aware of 
um, the possibility that someone might hurt themselves or others, that they need to do something. And that's everybody from, um, you know, psychologists to police to dentists. You know, there, there are a lot of professionals who are not supposed to just hear this and, and ignore it, yeah. but rather uh, get you in the hands of the right people. So that it's scary to think about calling law enforcement or FBI or Homeland Security and that's why, um, you know, people like myself want to be that middle person to talk it through, talk about whether that's necessary, see what they've already tried, um, what's actually happening. Are they talking about things or um, and, and expressing certain views? Or are they actually in that planning phase? Um, I, I get cases all over the board. Rather than having to become an expert, just bring it up to somebody else. And that's the idea with um, empowering people across the state of Colorado, that you could have your existing community mental health person and your school counselor and a parent get together and talk about um, what's going to be the lowest level intervention um, let's start with a conversation. Someone is uh, doing dangerous things. Um, I, I'm also uh, aware that sometimes you just need some guidance about who to report it to, how to report, what's going to happen. Because much of the fear is uh, if I call police, then it'll be out of my hands. Someone's just going to show up and arrest my loved one. And that's actually not true. We could say there is life after hate. So yes. that if you have to talk to somebody and help them out, they will have life after hate if they get the help they need. So um, Sammy Rangel with Life After Hate is a uh, close partner, and they do fantastic work with people who want to exit uh, white supremacist, white nationalist groups, very specifically. Yeah. Um, and so they are former... Uh, members themselves who know how hard it is to leave that lifestyle and almost like a gang, all the support and the, um, and the sense of family that comes with it sometimes. So it really is hard to leave. Uh, it could even be dangerous to leave. So that, that's yeah. one of the places that I work with closely. Really the idea in Colorado is if this could serve as a hub, then, um, I can direct people to all of those good resources, materials, actual services, give you feedback, right, about um, some things maybe you didn't know are, are possible. So that's, that's my job is to make it easier for people to find those things. Another thing uh, the collaborative or at least your office provides is support, uh, mental health support to first responders for all the stuff they have to deal with. You know, from oh, with Nick uh, later. Yeah. yeah, it's been a tough year for first responders for sure. And, and and then they're having to do it over and over and over and over again. Um, mm -hmm. You know, with, with kinds of PTSDs from you know major incidents and car crashes, and then we have the uh, the school shootings and that kind of stuff. Most of the rest of the public just thinks, well, you know, they're trained, that's their job, and they'll be okay, but. From what I can tell and the work that you all are doing, that's not necessarily the case. No, um, there are humans, too, and it takes a toll. And I don't know how many times I've heard law enforcement say 
that they should not be the lead on this sort of thing with violent extremism or targeted violence, that there needs to be much more emphasis in the prevention space. Uh, hit your quick crystal ball real quick and uh, give us some insight. Do, do you see more of uh, of, of this uh, uh, of targeted violence continuing to increase in the future? It seems as if we're having a generational change that's going to happen now. And so some of the things that, let's say, the baby boomers grew up with and they don't want to turn loose of, their grandkids are okay with. And uh, they may have a complete sea change in the next 10 years. Or do you think everybody's getting so polarized now that these incidents and things are going to increase? And then the work that the collaborative has to do, that has to increase as well. You know, I, I do think this trend is going to continue for a little bit here, but I'm also very much encouraged by the national attention to the issue that we've gotten since January 6th in particular, that, um, you know, the, the Department of Homeland Security has wanted to invest in community-level work for years, and that funding is now becoming available. So, $10 million was released to um, promote community-level work last year, and I believe $20 million will be released this year. Um, there's also emphasis, uh, and I work with a group with uh, Arizona State University, the McCain Institute, um, to develop a service provider network so that states are talking and we can get a list of people who you could actually go to for expert services um, because mm -hmm. this is a specific topic. Um, and so I, I am hopeful that there'll be more investment, um, you know, financially and, um, and with just people's emphasis on this um, that will get better traction and a better national plan. I, I have to say the United States is, um, further behind than a lot of other countries, Canada and Europe, um, for sure, in terms of yeah. addressing this through case management and prevention services. We thank Dr. Rachel Nielsen, the founding executive director of the Colorado Resilience Collaborative, for being our guest again for this edition. Working and responding in a positive manner, both as a community and individually, we can mitigate targeted violence. You can learn more of the organization's work online by Googling Colorado Resilience Collaborative. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay in your game. Do mask up when going out. Keep your distance. And we deeply appreciate you sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.